how good's that clip? Did you watch the, apart from the words that make you cry, did you watch the clip and think, how did they do that? Like, how did they synchronise everything so well in between going reversing backwards, forwards? Does no one else think those things or is it just me? Like, sometimes it's just like, wow. <laughs> ah, anyway, Christine, you're not going to set up the lunch now, are you? Um, okay, for anybody else that's helping with the lunch, I'm going to put it out now. Don't leave until after. People can wait to eat. It's a church lunch. We want you all there. People are bringing a heap of food, but it's not worth it if you're going to miss the whole idea of getting together and worshipping with God and family, yeah? So for those of us that are starving to death and showing ribs, we'll be okay waiting 15, 20 minutes while we're preparing. That's all right. All right, so I'm hoping like you, if you see I'm looking faint, just come up and splash some water on my face. Tell me that it'll be okay. Give me a biscuit and um, I'm sh I'll hold out until the, the food's ready. Is that all right? Cool. Um, there's a couple of people that we need to pray for. Um, we've got Trevor who's speaking installed today so we need to in your own prayers just think of him while he speaks there on behalf of our church uh, Grace uh, and uh, Bailey and also Ben Reeve have been at a conference in Marupna um, either sharing playing or painting so we need to pray for them as well okay so it's really it's quite an honor when people from our church are asked to participate in other places uh, and bring what they carry into that place so keep them in your prayers amen Cool. Also, ah, breathe. Uh, shorter Pam Taylor, not tall Pam Taylor, shorter Pam Taylor, for those that, that know her, uh, she's in the throes of moving to New South Wales and she was moving yesterday. We need to keep her in our prayers because on the way moving to Wodonga yesterday, her partner was driving a truck. There was an accident, not his fault. Uh, the person that hit that truck died on the scene at the spot. Uh, he was flown to the Alfred and is exceptionally unwell, as you can imagine. And Pam's back in Ballarat at the moment, staying at her sister's, because she needs to be able to commute to visit him before she actually finalises the move, because all her furniture is in Wodonga. So can you please keep Pam and the family in your prayers as well? That would be good. Uh, let's pray. Father, Lord, in amongst all of life's trials and heartaches, Lord, all of the ups and downs, Lord, we thank you that in it all, we can rest in you, that in it all, we can trust in you. In it all, God, we can turn to you. So we thank you that in those times, you lift us up. We thank you, Lord, that in our good times, Lord, you are laughing and jumping and screaming, Lord, with us, <laughs> and you're championing us. And we thank you, Lord, that you're never, ever far away, because, Lord, you live within us. So, God, we just say thank you. We thank you for this day. We pray, God, that anything that's spoken today, anything that's been played or sung today, God, would bring revelation to our hearts, that, Lord, the way that we walked in wouldn't be the same way that we walked out, that even during our lunch today together, that we would have moments together where our spirits would testify, that we would walk out of this place so on fire, so alive because of you. So, Lord God, we give you all the glory and we give you all the honour and all these faithful people said, Amen. Hey, look, uh, by the way, um, we, Mel and I and family, we missed you last week because we were away just for the long weekend. We just went out to New Merca and enjoyed lots of cheese and lots of olive oil and lots of biscuits and all that sort of stuff, as you do when you're in the country. But uh, as, as much as we had a great time, it's actually really nice being back in your home church. Um, I was just... I was just contemplating, and I chatted with Mel yesterday, like when you're planted, established in a church, you call it your home church, don't you? I understand that this is the house of God, but house, I just think walls and bricks and mortar and timber, you know, it doesn't have a homely feel to it. But when something's your home church, it changes the dynamic. You just sense and you feel family, you feel relationship, you, it, it conjures up pictures of gatherings and, and stuff like that, you know. Um, I love it that we're back in our home church. You know, I, I really pray that most people, wherever they go to church, can call it their home church, not just the house of God that they attend. So I just think it changes stuff. And I was just thinking about that. So it's a wholesome word. So that's for free. I was just thinking about it. Um, and, and 
I actually said to Mel, you know, like, I'm all of, how old am I this year? 45, 46, 46 this year. So I've been a Christian 25 years. And even before moving to Ballarat, the 20 years of my Christianity before Ballarat, I, I can't imagine anywhere that I would want to be other than the house of God on a Sunday. Like, I just can't imagine it. Um, I know that amongst the pastors, it becomes frustrating that they're telling us from the US, statistics are telling us that a regular church attender is once every three weeks, even moving to once every four weeks. I don't understand that. For me, it was, I remember when I got saved, we would go to church in the morning, go have lunch, get ready, and we were like flying because we wanted to get back to church at night. And if we were running late, we'd get upset because coming to your home church, there's something exciting about getting with family, you know. Um, even with our kids, they play footy now on a, on a Sunday morning. And even for them, we only allow them to play because we can still get to church. Does that make any sense? You know, so I love home church. I love our family, you know. I love what we have. And I really pray that whether it's yourselves or whoever the people are in whatever church in whatever location, I really pray that that's the same, you know, to be able to gather with the family of God, you know. Imagine if living at home with your mum and your dad, if, you know, you're there and you have dinner every night, but all of a sudden you're thinking, well, I just want to get together with mum and dad once a month or something. It just doesn't seem right when you're living in that same house. So I don't know. I, just me contemplating. I've just been thinking home church. And I think, man, Sunday morning, I love getting here. I don't like getting woken up by the puppy. I don't like getting woken up by my boys. You know, I, I don't like, you know, I can't say what I was about to say. It would give you a terrible picture. Um, you know, there's lots of things that I don't like, like Brussels sprouts. Like, it doesn't matter what you do to them. It's just, it just doesn't work. No sauce, no crispiness, no salt, no pepper. It doesn't work for them. But church works, you know. Family of God works, doesn't it, amen? Anyway. <sighs> Home church. Today, today I want to actually talk about being hungry for God. Is that all right? So, hungry for God. If you've got your Bibles, turn. I'm just kind of looking for my... Oh, my water's there. Did you put that there? That's awesome, love. I didn't see that. Turn to Matthew. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Now, I'm going to put in my LMCT disclaimer. Yeah? It could be challenging. I'm hoping you don't get offended because sons and daughters don't get offended. Sons and daughters are always looking to improve because I think there's always more in God. I might have a great relationship now, but I think I could have a greater relationship. So I love being challenged because it teaches me how to do that. Just in the same way, in the way that you play sport, you always want to be better at what you do or the way that you cook, you want to you know, perfect that that particular recipe, I think in our Christianity, there's always more. There's always more we can grab hold of. And the minute we stop grab, grabbing hold of more and growing, we become stale, yeah? So today I want to talk about hunger and being hungry for God. So Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen? They will be filled. You've got to love the Beatitudes because... Really, from the outset of the Beatitudes, it, it, it runs in an order. If you really read it and start to flesh it out, it's almost an order of your faith. You know, From the beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The minute that you realise that you're poor in spirit, you come to the cross, you receive the kingdom of God. And then it goes on, line after line after line, and it's about us, about our growth, about our faith. But I love this line that says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, the New Living Translation actually says that we will be satisfied. So filled and satisfied are interchangeable, okay? So I'm just putting it out there for you, if I can. So here we go. As Mel and I were talking, because we often chat, believe it or not, she would say not enough, actually, funnily enough. Does any other husband have that? Your wife says you don't talk enough, or is it just me and my family and I've got to work on my communication? No, I've got a couple of hands. No, sorry. It's a couple of others here that are with me. Maybe you can help us. <laughs> but the more, the more I looked at it, the more I felt like God was taking me on a journey. Now, I think it's re reasonably safe to say that in general, most Christians, so those of us that find ourselves 
in home church, in the house of God, wherever we may be, yeah, that we have a, a natural desire or hunger for God. Because if we were to say, are you hungry for God? I don't think anyone in this room would say no. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah? I'm not offending anyone by that, am I? All right. So I would say that we would all say that we're hungry for God. We've said yes to Jesus. We know he's the real deal. We follow him. We've experienced him. We've encountered him. But because of all of that, we know that he's God and he's huge and we know that there's more. So within us, there's a hunger for more of him, you know, just wanting to, to experience him more, to know him more, to desire him more. You know, if you hear from God, you, you may want to hear him clearer or louder than before. You might want more revelation as you're reading the Bible and as you're spending time in prayer. You may, re you may have this hunger just for the word to be illuminated every time that you're sitting down and, and going through it. You, you probably have a hunger to, and I would say most of us, particularly if you've got a puppy or children or children and puppy, depending on which way you put it, yeah? Um, most of us have got a hunger to experience that peace that, that surpasses understanding, that doesn't make sense to it, you know, that's, that's greater and bigger than what we could ever imagine. You know, we've got this hunger for more, to experience more of God. You know, we're hungry. I'm hungry. I want more of God. Now, I'm assuming in that question, or this question, are you hungry for God, that most of us are going to say yes. Yeah? Fair assumption. We're going, it's okay to say yes. It's all right to yell out from the back. It's okay to lift your hand. This is church, Yeah? Let me, this is not a funeral. Funerals, you need to be quiet, but it's still okay occasionally to say amen and okay, and that's good. Yeah, I really like that. He was a great guy. That's okay. In church, church is a bit louder because Jesus is not dead, yeah? He's risen and he's alive. And so when we share the word, we're sharing life, yeah? We're sharing stuff that's alive. Stuff that's alive actually should be stirring you up on the inside. You know, even alive spiders stir up emotion on the inside, yeah? So, I want to ask a personal question. For those of us that are hungry, really hungry for more of God, how many of us are not satisfied? How many of us actually would say that we're you know, because the scripture says those that are hunger and thirst will be filled. How many feel as though they aren't filled? Because I would go as far as to say, yes, I have Jesus living inside. I have the fullness of God living inside here. And we realize that, you know, it's not written in scripture, but the bigger the belly, the bigger the Jesus. So I've got a big Jesus inside here. Some of you are thinking, is that right? I don't know if that's right. I Andrew, I don't know if you're right on that one. Um, so I know that I've got all of God, but this is saying if I hunger and thirst, that I'll be filled, that I will be satisfied. I just want to put it out there. I, I don't think I'm satisfied. I, I don't think I'm filled. I haven't walked on water yet. I haven't raised a dead man. I haven't seen a limb grow. I have, I have had one cold healed when I've prayed. Sometimes I think it's easier to heal and see God heal someone from cancer and a tumour than what it is with a cold, seriously. So I'm really out there. I've never seen it. I've never prayed for someone and seen them healed of a cancer or a tumour. But I have seen a cold. So I'm just revelling in what God's done through me. Is that all right? <laughs> Can any of you say that? No? But I bet one of someone will say, yeah, but I prayed for someone and they were healed from a tumour. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I don't, I'm not necessarily satisfied. Now... I want to I point your attention here on that scripture again, Matthew 5, 6. If you can throw it up on the screen again, Laurie. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they, it says, will be. Will be, yeah? Will be. It doesn't say those who are hunger and thirst are. It says will be. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that implies that you will be eventually, yeah? It's coming. It's going to happen. If you hunger and thirst, you will be filled. You will be satisfied. So you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be filled. But I'm just saying for me at the moment, I don't feel filled and I don't feel satisfied because it's still coming. I love the fact that the scripture doesn't say, because it makes me feel better, that I'll be filled and satisfied right now. 
And it doesn't say in that scripture that I'll be filled and satisfied immediately. So what it does say, but what it doesn't say, is that between being hungry and being filled and satisfied, I want to suggest there's something in between. Is that fair? Is that a, a fair call at this stage? Yeah. Now, in life, if we're hungry or thirsty, we eat or we drink, don't we? You're hungry, you eat something. It might be unhealthy. It could be healthy. You might cook it. You might reheat it. You might open a packet and eat it. You might... You do something. You have to make the effort. If you're hungry and thirsty, you make the effort to be satisfied, yeah? Now, I want to suggest that that's not actually too dissimilar to us in our spirits, in that spiritual world. So I want to suggest that the reason some of us are hungry, and we all said that we were, well, generally all said that we were hungry, but aren't satisfied or filled right now, is because we're missing something. We're missing this step, this in-between. So too often Christians, and this is a sweeping generalisation, and it's not you, he says with a smile on his face. Yeah? Is Christians come to church and they want to be filled. There's an expectation to be touched by God. There's an expectation to encounter him in the, in the time that they visit church, yeah? There's an expectation. They want a good kid's church. Uh, you know, they, they want great greeters. They want good coffee. They, they want a great service. They want wonderful worship. They want, and they want, and they want, yeah? Always expecting to get something for their hour or two. Not us. I'm just putting it out there. Remember I said it could be challenging. Always expecting to receive. Now, there's nothing wrong, let me say, with any of those things. There's nothing wrong in wanting great worship. Nothing wrong in wanting a great kids' church or wanting a fabulous coffee. There's nothing wrong in wanting an encounter or an experience or a touch from God when you come. There's nothing wrong with those things. What it comes down to is what's our priority? Are we coming to get? Yeah? Are we coming to receive something or possibly when we come to church, should our sole priority and desire be to give something? Yeah? To give honour to Jesus, maybe. Maybe it's to praise him as king. Maybe it's to worship him. To glorify him. But it seems, yeah, that sometimes we jump into the queue Moving forward every so often, waiting to get something, yeah? I was sharing with uh, Sandra the other day and we were talking about our, the last encounter night. Uh, and I said to her, I came to encounter and the first part of encounter wasn't happening for me. I was here expecting and wanting a touch from God. And as I sang and worshipped, I just wasn't getting that. I wasn't receiving that. And it wasn't until in me there was a shift to say, you know what? I'm just going to worship you. I'm just going to praise you. You're the king. You're my Messiah. You're my Lord. I'm just going to give you all the glory. And when I shifted there and gave something to him, I actually got the very thing that I was desiring initially anyway. Does that make sense to anyone? So I need, I need a, a two, the two bearded ones. Come forward. <laughs> That's not a beard. <laughs> I'm just glad that none of the ladies got up. Anyway, stand, come up. Now, I'm putting them up here so you can see them. I just want you to face each other. There. Now, what I have is... A bottle of water that is not brand new, but we're going to pretend like it's brand new. Let's, let's believe it's something really precious. And you're going to receive that from him. He's going to give this to you. So I want you to put your hand out. Now, you're not allowed to move your hands. Don't move your hands. You can keep them by your side. Now you're hiding them. Deep down inside, I know you want it. He wants the water. 
When he came up, he said to me, I saw him and I lip read and he said, I want Andrew's water. So that's why I'm using it as an example. So inside he has this desire for this water, but you can't move your hands. Now you can't move any, I just want you to reach out to him. Receive. No, you can't move your feet either. (laughs) Receive. Come on, dude, receive. All right, let's... (laughs) <laughs> you know, for, the, for those that are, are listening on the podcast, they would have no idea what we just laughed at. You missed out. You should come to church Sunday, 10 a.m., Mount Clear, 1185 Geelong Road, yeah? So I, I want you to, let's pretend it's a really big bottle of water, and I want you to put your hand out. Just put it out like that. Now, he can't grab it. If he puts his hands out, he can grab it. So take it. I want you to take it now. You can grab it. Now, I, I just stand there, don't move. Just be happy there. Because sometimes if you don't have coloured lights, you put a coloured top behind you and stuff. Um, what we just saw is that when you're expecting something, it still requires an action, yeah? Ben had to stretch out his hands, but there was something more than that. I just want you to give this back for a minute. And I want want you to give it, and I want you to receive it. But after you've given it, I want you to keep your hands out. Now, I don't know if you can notice this. Take it. You keep your hands out. Lyndon has got his hands stretched out, ready to receive something, after he's given something. Is this... Do you understand? He's had something. He's given it away. And in the giving it away, his hands are actually open to receive something. Ben initially wanted my water... And really, he wanted to take me out into the foyer and beat me up to get it because he wanted it so badly. But because his hands were by his side, he couldn't receive it. Now, the minute he put his hands out to receive it, he took it. But it was, it was initiated here. It wasn't initiated here. It was initiated here. The receiving was initiated by the giver. Does that make any sense? Can we give them a clap? And I want my water back. Thank you. <laughs> clean the bottle clean the bottle the hands that were outstretched after they gave were in a position to receive yeah see i want to suggest today that that we can't receive unless we give yeah those who hunger and thirst will be filled will be satisfied why are we not satisfied it's because we haven't put our hands out and started to give And we're standing there saying, come on, God, I want more of you. Touch me. I want an encounter. Please, please, please. Heal me. Yeah? But the part that we're missing is the giving, the giving of ourselves. See, you can't receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour unless you first give him your heart. Amen? You don't give him your heart. You haven't received Jesus. Because we hand it over to him and we ask him to come and live inside our hearts, don't we? See, we're hungry, but we're not being filled and we're not satisfied because we're not giving. Let's turn and have a look at what the Bible says. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. Verse 37 and 38. Do not judge. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Give, and it will be given to you. The Scripture's not just about judgment. The Scripture that often gets used for offerings is not just about giving away money. The scripture is our example on how to live an absolutely full Christian life. Give and it will be given to you. Those who hunger and thirst yeah, will be filled and satisfied. Give and it will be given to you. So if you're hungry for God and you want to receive more of him and you're wanting more of Jesus, then we need to give. Now that gets us to the next question. Where you say, that's awesome, Andrew. What is it that we need to give? I'm glad you asked. We give Jesus. We give Jesus. We give our time. Yeah? We give our time. We give encouragement. We give affection. 
We actually are Jesus personified, yeah? We give our finance. Oh, my, my finance? Don't touch my finance. We give our finance. We give love, grace, forgiveness. We give acceptance. We give away to others the things that we've already received from him. Yeah? And if we really want to be filled, we need to develop within us a genuine love to give. Because if you are really hungry and really thirsty and you want to be satisfied, you need to give. So the Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You hunger and thirst, and you will be filled. Yeah? Give, and it will be given. You sow, Jesus, what do you get back? Come on, it's not a trick question. You sow, Jesus, what do you get back? Jesus. So if you're hungry and thirsty for more of God, and you want to be satisfied, then what you need to do is you need to sow Jesus into those around you. You sow Jesus into those around you, and I guarantee you, you'll get Jesus back, and you'll be filled, and you'll be satisfied. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah? question is, do you want to be filled? Do you want to be satisfied? It means you have to give. We've been talking about counting the cost over the last you know, three weeks, really. Counting the cost of following Jesus. You want more of him? Then give more of him. Give him away. Show him to people. Talk about him. Be Jesus. Serve others. Because at the end of the day, what you sow, you reap. Amen? And I love it. It's a God promise. If I'm going to sow Jesus... I'm going to get back, Jesus. There's a quote by Billy Graham, and it's God has given us two hands, one to receive and the other to give. You know what? You know why I love that quote? They go hand in hand. They can't be separated. You cannot just stand and expect from God. You can for your salvation, no problem. We, you know, God gives us his son for free. We don't have to do anything for that. And we step into a life as sons and daughters of God. But now, if we want to experience more of this as heirs and co-heirs with him, there's some things that we can do yeah, to be filled up on the inside. See, the minute any of us says that we're totally satisfied, I want to suggest that, hey, we're probably lying a touch because life can be really tough. yeah, And there's ups and downs as we live life. Anybody experience ups and downs this week? Yeah, of course we did. Man, all of us did. And all of us will. But in that place, there is more of God for us in every area of our life. We can hunger and thirst and we will be satisfied if we're prepared to live a life that gives. See, you can't be a good giver unless you're a good receiver. Flip that. You can't be a good receiver unless you're a good giver. And flip that. And you can't be a good giver unless you're a good receiver. They go hand in hand. Some people are really good at giving, but the minute you want to give them something, they're like, oh, no. Oh, I don't need that. Oh, please. Oh, no. Give that. No. Oh, they're still coming. And others, they're like this, always with their hands out. And then when you say, hey, listen, there's a person that needs this. Can you do this? Can you give them that? Maybe you can cook. Oh, no. Oh, don't ask me. I can't. I can't do that. You have to be both. You can't be one without the other. There's, you just can't be one without the other. It goes hand in hand. Those who hunger and thirst will be filled. You want to be filled and start to give. Once you're receiving, you can give some more. But you can't just be one. It doesn't work. See, the act of giving is actually putting us in a position to receive. Man, I love it. That was the best analogy I could come up with. As soon as you give something away, your hands are there, ready to receive. They go together. So the path, you've got to think about this, the path to Jesus receiving eternal life 
Yeah? And raising from the dead and stepping out of the tomb, he had to first give his life. He had to give to receive. And if he didn't give, we'd all be living on this side of the cross. Yeah? But he gave so he could receive and give an example to us to how we receive. And it's through the giving. We're not exempt. Now, I know that receiving seems easy. Most of us would say that. But I actually think that receiving is really hard. Because giving's hard. And if we can't give, we can't receive. There's a, a quote, it's anonymous. When it comes to giving until it hurts, most people have a very low threshold of pain. You love that? That's so good. When it comes to giving until it hurts, most people have a very low threshold of pain. Hunger and thirst. You want to be filled? You want to be satisfied? Give. To the level of your giving. Give your time to others, even when you don't have any. Yeah? Give encouragement even when you're discouraged. Give affection even when you feel unloved. Give of your finance even if it leaves you with 20 cents in your pocket. Give your food even if it leaves your pantry empty. Give love, give grace, give forgiveness. Accept people because remember, give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. You want to be filled? You want to be satisfied? Then hunger and thirst captures the word give. So my question to all of us, if receiving and giving go hand in hand, how hungry are we? How hungry are you? How much do you want it? This Jesus, this more of him. How much do you desire to see him work through you, speak through you, touch people through you? How hungry are you? Here's another scripture, Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 14. See, I love challenging messages because they inspire me for more. When I got saved, the first 10 years of my Christianity was in a church that was mission and discipleship based. It was all about, I grew up with all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will never love enough. They were the songs that we sung that still resonate in my heart. And all I know is I can never outgive God. Matthew 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work and gave, gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Those who hunger and thirst will be filled and satisfied. I don't know about you, but that seems like he's getting a bit of a filling at the moment, yeah? The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what you gave me. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put the money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with, with interest. 
So verse 28, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Verse 29, for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing. We know the scripture. Like, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know the scripture. If you don't, then read it and flesh it out. Understand God's heart, what he's trying to say. Because the person who did nothing with what he had, the person who gave nothing, did nothing, got nothing. Yeah? In the world today, in the community today, we would say, of course not. He did nothing. He gave nothing away. Of course he's going to get nothing. We read this and people go, oh, that's a little bit hard. God, you're a bit tough. He's not. He's just showing us how stuff works. Then it's up to us with the intelligence he's given us to say, okay, that's how it works. My kids know what makes me happy. They also know what makes me unhappy. So as they become wiser, they will do the things that make me happy. Not for anything, just because they know it makes me happy. I'm not going to love them any more or less. Now let's have a look at verse 28 and 29 in the NLT. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Verse 29, this is really important. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Hunger and thirst, and you will be filled. Hunger and thirst, and you will be satisfied. It's not your salvation. Salvation comes earlier on in the Beatitudes. We're talking about now your walk with Jesus. You want more of him. You are hungry now because you've started to taste. You want more? Then use well what you've got. Use well what you've got. Serve others. Make Jesus' name great. Give give Jesus and you'll get more Jesus back because we reap what we sow and what we give will be given to us. So give. And you know what? The church, the ecclesia, the family... This is the perfect place to start to practice your hunger and thirsting. It really is. It's the perfect place to start to hunger your giving. Because you can give in the care team. You can speak to Sally and say, I want to be part of the care team. And she might give you a list of people that you can pray for weekly. She might give you a few names that you can actually cook a meal for. She might give you somebody that's they're going through a hard, hard time. Can you send them a text message or an email? Maybe it's kids' church. I know the guys in Little Stars are still looking for parent helpers. The ecclesia is the perfect place for us to hunger and thirst because it teaches us how we can give and serve. It really is. You know, I know we harp on it. In a friendship group, if you're not in a friendship group, sometimes it hurts to give, but go. And love the people that are in your group. Give and give and give and give. Because you can never outgive God. And what you give will be given to you. So as you love others, you'll get love back. As, you, as you're Jesus to others, you'll get Jesus back. And you'll be satisfied and you'll be filled. Set up, pack up, open your home, have people over for coffee and bad tea, or good tea and bad coffee, whatever it is. And I'll promise, if, you, if we can have that hunger, a hunger that gives, we will be filled and we will be satisfied because the word promises us. Don't just stand waiting to be filled, wanting the bottle of water without putting our hands out. Don't be that person. So the key to being filled, to being satisfied, the key to unlocking what God wants is in us. He's not holding it back. We're holding it back. Does it make sense? He wants to pour it out. It's all through the word. He wants to pour it out so much that our cup overflows. Yeah? But we're, we're the ones that are, are slightly just holding it back. You know, there are Christians in churches everywhere. But there's no life in them and no life in the church. There's another quote that says, 
The Dead Sea is the Dead Sea because it continually receives and never gives. The Dead Sea is a Dead Sea because it continually receives and never gives. Turn to Luke just really quickly. Let's see if I can find where I'm going. Verse 1, as he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, the poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. I've got a question in relation to that. Um, I understand that she may have looked poor because of the way that she dressed. And so Jesus looked and said, wow, well, there's the rich people giving. And there's a poor lady. She's about to give. I can tell that by the way that she's dressed. But then he goes on to say, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Here's my question. How, how did Jesus know? Did he look in her bank account? Did he have one of the disciples run to her house and check out what was in the pantry? How did he know? Did he already have a relationship with her? How did he know that she gave from all that she had, all that she had to live on? Here's what I think. He saw her heart. He saw her heart. A heart of a woman that loved God. See, the... The Bible says those who hunger and thirst will be filled. And so she gives, the scripture says, all that she has. I'm suggesting what Jesus saw was the motivation in her heart. Because could you imagine? Jesus has just pointed her, pointed her out with the people that he's with. All of a sudden, she's, became, she's become famous. 2,000 years on, we're still talking about her. You know, maybe we should put ourselves in her shoes for a minute. Could you imagine after the fact? She would have been walking home and she may have heard whispers like, that's the lady. The master said she was the one that gave everything. And she would have heard that saying, why are they, why are they talking, saying those things about She's the one. She's got a, what a heart for God. She gave all that she had. All of a sudden, her reputation in the community that she lived in went from strength to strength and glory to glory. Because Jesus saw not what she gave, but gave, saw what she gave from her heart. Yeah? From her heart. See, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness... When we hunger and thirst for more of God and we're wanting to be satisfied and filled, God's looking for the people with a heart like his heart, like her heart. He's looking for people that he can trust with more of him and more of his glory and more of his power. But if we're just standing there saying, God, could you imagine if she walked up to the temple and said, Lord, bless me with money. I've got no money. I'm so poor. I've got no food. There's a rich man giving, please. I need some money. She never begged. She never, what she did was from her heart she gave. And God saw her heart. And then her hunger and thirst for the things of God were filled. And her life was changed there and then. 
There and then she went from the poor lady to the one that had given everything, to the one that the master had pointed out. That was the one that Jesus spoke about. Oh my goodness. I wonder then if people went up to her and asked if they could spend time with her. The master spoke about you. Jesus spoke about you. He spoke about what you did. I don't know about you, but man, I would love if Jesus had said something about me that was then talked about, not just in the community, but 2,000 years later, people are still talking about Andrew. People are still preaching about him. Man, there was something in her hunger and thirst for God that when she gave those two small coins, two mites, the King James says, she gets pointed out by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yet we are hungry and we're not satisfied and we're hungry and we're not entirely filled. Because there's more. There's always more in God. We just have to step out and we just need to give a little, particularly when it hurts. I have a scripture that I'm looking for. If I find it, great. If not, we're going to pray. First John 3.16. First John 3. I want to show you how giving and receiving go together. I just, need, I just need you to understand this. And I, I want you to understand why we just look at the widow with her heart. Yeah. So 1 John 3.16 says, We know that what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion... How can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Now the reality is that most people read that and they're thinking money. Most people read that and they're thinking about, you know, if if you've got and you don't give, then love of God isn't in you. But the NLT uses the word compassion, and compassion is talking about being sympathetic or having pity and concern for, for the misfortunes, the sufferings of others. And it can go on to talk about war, warmth and love and tenderness and gentleness, even charity, benevolence, kind-heartedness. The list goes on and on and on and on. But I actually, I actually believe that a better translation, because it's the same Greek word, is in the King James or the New King James, because it says... When we read it in the King James, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, now you've got to capture this, and shuts up his heart from him. It doesn't say, doesn't give his money. It doesn't talk about the hand. It talks about the heart. And shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? God's looking for people that have a heart. See, the focus in that scripture is not talking, it's not money. It's talking about the person's heart. That's why the NLT uses the word compassion. Because you can show compassion. It doesn't have to come from your finances. It might, but that's only one part of it. But he who shuts up his heart, the focus is on the heart. The focus is on the generosity that flows from the heart. God's looking for people with that heart. He's looking for the widow with that heart. Do you understand? He's looking for people with the same heart as Jesus that would give up his own life so that he could receive eternal life. At the end of the day, the open hand, the giving of money, yeah, is only there if you've got an open heart. An open hand is the result of an open heart. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness, those who hunger and thirst will be filled, will be satisfied if we give. And not just giving, but I'm talking about giving with the right heart. The widow gave everything. It hurt her. It cost her, yeah? But man, we're talking about her today. Like seriously, wow, 
That is so cool that we're talking about this woman today. Those that hunger and thirst, those that have an open heart, those that hunger and thirst, those that give, those that hunger and thirst are those that sow because we'll reap, we'll receive and we'll be filled. And church, if we stand, just if we could stand, at the end of the day, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, our maturity will never exceed the level of our giving. Our maturity will never, never exceed the level of our giving. I know that this is a challenging message, but it's a message for us to stand up. It's a message for us to serve. It's a message for us to give. Give Jesus and get Jesus back. Show Jesus in your homes. Serve as Jesus in the church. Do what you have to do so that you can sit in this place and go, you know what, Andrew, I reckon I'm satisfied. I reckon I'm filled. I'm, I'm really good. I love the video during communion because regardless of what those people were going through, they've been made flawless. But what you had to see was, was the smiles on their faces because regardless of how I find myself, Mel said it perfectly this morning, regardless of what I'm going through, God's purpose and plan for my life is good. It's good. This week was really shocking. Stepping on the dog poop in the house because it's a puppy was really yuck. But you know what? God still loves me. With or without shoes. That was without. When we mature in our faith, we're becoming more like Father. And when we become more like Father, more like Daddy, we're like Him. And He gave everything. If you really want to be filled, church, if you really want to be satisfied, if that's the hunger and the desire and the thirst that's inside you, then we need to give. Give until it hurts. There's always enough time for a brother or sister. I've always got enough food. I'll find the money. I'll do what I have to do. We need to be people that would say, Lord, I will do anything to glorify your name, to make your name great. Can we have the worship team just for a minute? And I just want to pray. I want to pray. See, how hungry are we? Do we desire to see the seats in the church filled? Do we? I desire to see the, church, the seats in the church filled. In fact, I desire to see the seats in every church in Ballarat filled. Yeah? We speak as, as pastors. I know what they're going through as well. I desire that, that we would have such a hunger and thirst for him that we would long to be in our home church, to be with our family, to experience love and prayer and healing and food and coffee, all of that stuff. My heart is to see men and women who are out there that are unchurched, unsaved, that don't know the precious love of the Saviour, that they would discover him. But they will only discover him through us, through you, yeah? So give and it will be given to you. I promise you. Give and it will be given to you. The guys are going to sing a song, a song. Great are you, Lord's good. Because he's great. And I want to say this. While we sing, you may be compelled to come out of your seats just to come to the front and worship him. Then I want to encourage you to do that. Yeah, not for any specific prayer from any specific person, but just because you want to grab hold of more of him because you have a hunger and thirst that needs to be filled and satisfied. And sometimes it starts with the giving of yourself. Yeah. So as these guys play, if that's you, don't fight it. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry if you've never moved out of your seat before. Yeah? Maybe make it a first time. Maybe the hunger and thirst has not been satisfied because you've never done something as simple as that. Don't let that hold you back. God wants more of you. And you want more of Him. So give Him you, and He'll give you more of Him. Yeah? So the altar's open, and the rest is up to you.
give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Father, we have a hunger and thirst that stirs within us. God, we want more of you. Father, more of you, God. Father, more leading, more guiding, God. More compassion, Father. More love and more grace, Lord. Lord, more forgiveness and more healing. God, we just want more of you. Father, in that space and telling you that you're great, Lord, give us the courage and strength to be people that can give more of you away. Father, that we might give so that we would receive, that we might give so that others may discover the love of a loving God. <laughs> Lord, give us the courage, God. Father, like the widow, Lord, give us the heart, Lord, that we need, God. Bless you, Jesus. Live in the stretch. Live in the stretch. An elastic band doesn't fulfill its purpose until it's stretched. Live in the stretch. Hunger and thirst, and we will be filled. Hunger and thirst, and we will be satisfied. God, thank you for the breath that you place in our lungs, God. Thank you, Lord, that it's that breath from the inside of us that gives us all that we need to live for you. Father, in this place, we're hungry for you. And Lord, we decree and declare more of you, Lord, in our home church, God, in our house, 
in our homes, God, in our community, Lord, more of you. Father, we pray that this day you would give us opportunity somewhere to be Jesus to someone. Lord, that you would speak to us, to work through us, for those around us. Lord, you are our great God. And your people give you all the glory and all the honour. And can we give our God a clap of praise, please? Live in the stretch. Amen. Let's stretch our tummies in the church lunch. Please help with the setup, the preparation. And let's continue our ministry together in Jesus' name.